Hello, everybody. Welcome to Max Sports. We're starting our week off with a lot of football talk. To start things off, we have a ton of playoff games throughout the NFL that we now need to talk about. The matchups are locked in. Let's see how close my predictions were to what the actual playoff structure is. I think I did pretty good in this, but we'll save that for the segment. After that, there are a lot of head coaches that have been fired, and there are a lot of jobs that have potentially opened. I'm talking about you, Atlanta. I'm talking about you, Carolina. I'm talking about you, Washington. So we're going to look at all of those right now in segment two today and talk about who might be able to fill those spots and what their outlook for next year really should be. After that, we did already make an episode on it, but the national championship in college football, it's tonight. So I'm going to do one more little segment, just kind of addressing some thoughts on it. And um, after that, we're going to get you ready for another great week of football talk. Remember, tomorrow, we're probably going to be recapping the national championship, talking about what it's going to be moving forward um, in the state of college football. And then Wednesday, if you want a power ranking show, I definitely recommend that you head to my Facebook page or you comment on my Spotify that you would like one. We are done with the regular season, so I do want to know if you even want a power ranking anymore. I need to know that if I'm going to make that for you. And then Thursday, Friday, that's going to be our pick days. So it's another week, but it's another great week of football. Enjoy it while it's here. Let's get our episode started. All right, so let's get started with NFL playoffs. There was a lot of craziness that took place around the league last week for playoff positioning. I will also say this. I gave you my week picks. I went 14-2 and two in my pickums for the final week of the regular season. Every single game I got right except the Jaguars losing to the Titans and the Patriots losing at home to the Jets in potentially Belichick's final game. Not a bad week if I do say so. And it is hard to pick these games on the final week of the season because you got people sitting out left and right. I did not have a ton of confidence in the Steeler pick, but I thought, why not? I uh, there's it, It's not always easy to kind of have something like that happen. So I'm kind of impressed that I somehow managed to have my best week ever on the most hectic week. Maybe that just means I don't really have skill. I just had luck on my side. But let's talk about what that means for the playoff pr- picture. I predicted that the playoff situation would have Baltimore as the one seed, Buffalo as the two seed, Kansas City as the three seed, Jacksonville as the four seed, Cleveland as the five, Miami as the six, and then at the seven seed, it would have been Houston if Jacksonville won. So I only got one wrong, technically. I even picked the Steelers to win the game. The thing that is unfortunate about that, though, is the Jacksonville Jaguars lost. Out of all the games I could have gotten wrong, out of the two I got, uh, one of them was the most crucial one for the AFC side. As for the NFC, the only thing I got wrong in the NFC was that the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Giants. Actually, no, I picked that. I picked the Giants to beat the Eagles. So yeah, we got everything right in the NFC. San Fran won, or San Fran is at the one seed, L.A. is at the sixth seed. They beat them and lock up that spot. Green Bay steals the last wild card spot. Phillies go into Tampa, so 5-4 matchup. Detroit takes the three seed, and Dallas takes the two seed. So, no, we actually completely 100% of that one. Wow. So, 
That is our playoff matchup, and there are some really good games to get things started right now. I'm going to pull up the scores because it will also show me betting on favorites. Right now, I'm not asking you people to be sports bettors. Personally, for me, I don't think it's ever something I'm that good at, but here we are for the scores. When it comes to the wild card round, our first game that's going to be taking place, we have two Saturday games. One of them is Texans hosting the Browns in the wild card. I am excited for that game. And then we have a rematch from the Germany games, Chiefs and Dolphins. This game is going to be on Peacock. So, again, I believe how it works. We talked about this back in the offseason when they were um, bringing this up. I believe for the Peacock game. If you are a Dolphins fan or a Chiefs fan, you need to be in the same region as your team, and you should be able just to get it on NBC. For everybody else, you're going to have to download Peacock, pay a couple bucks in order to watch that game. I know there's a lot of people right now that are complaining. I'm going to stop you right there. You're going to do it anyway. If you really like football and you really want to watch the game, you can complain, but you're going to do it anyway. You're going to pick up that card. You're going to type it into your app. And then you're going to watch your game. Uh, So uh, I'll just leave it at that. That's my own little kerfuffle with people at times. But back to our main topic for today. Browns and Texans. This is going to be an interesting matchup because we have two completely different types of teams here. We have a defensive clock management kind of throwback NFL team to maybe a team from 10 years previously. Hard-hitting, well-defended run first, but then you have Joe Flacco who can who can do the play action well, and he's kind of more of a traditional quarterback. He's not a dual threat by any means. Versus potentially the next young up-and-coming star team for like a five-year run. The Texans, in their first year with D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, managed to get to a 10-win season. That is very impressive for one year, and they still have multiple first-rounders from the Deshaun Watson trade that they are going to be able to use for years to come. They use some of those picks to get C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. They will have a solid core to build around from this season for seasons to come. What's interesting about this one is I didn't expect either of these teams in the postseason at the beginning of the year. I thought the Browns were going to be the result of a very tough division, and unfortunately, I didn't think they were going to be as good as Pittsburgh, as uh, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. Now, Cincinnati getting the injury bug did help out Cleveland a little bit, but this is a really good team. I felt like there was a chance three AFC North teams would make the playoffs, and there would be a really good one that was left out. Perfect example, Cincinnati Bengals had a winning record and did not make the postseason. Everyone in that division had a winning record. So I didn't necessarily believe the Browns were a bad team. What I was worried about was that the competition they would have to get through in order to most likely get a wild card spot would be too much for them to end up in the postseason. So both of these teams are kind of just happy to be here. I think for if you're a Browns fan, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that there are a lot of Browns fans that would be shocked to know they are currently the five seed in the AFC playoffs and maybe one of the biggest threats to take out Baltimore, the number one seed. I don't know if Browns fans are necessarily thinking that way, but I know how some may have felt when Deshaun Watson got hurt, when Nick Chubb got hurt, and 
the odds of them being able to be where they're at right now with all of the injuries they've sustained this year is pretty impressive. As for Houston, they're going to be missing one of their most dynamic players in Tank Dell. He had gotten injured and carted off, I believe, in the Jacksonville game um, a couple months ago now. But he had been a dynamic rookie for this team. However, for you Michigan fans out there, you're going to like this. Nico Collins, the receiver that came out of freaking nowhere. I feel like he's been in the league for a couple of years now, though. I'm not, I haven't done a lot of t- research on Nico Collins, but I remember him at Michigan, and I felt like he was just underutilized for what he's been able to show here in Houston. Nico Collins has been a number one receiver in the NFL. His stats can be matched up with any star receiver. He's got more receiving yards than Stephon Diggs, and he's got the same amount of touchdowns. Like, he is a star receiver this year. And you know what? The matchup with him and C.J. Stroud has been very, very solid. And Devin Singletary, while not a very dynamic running back, He's been able to push for enough to push for first downs, push for the goal line touchdowns if they need. He's They don't really have a run game that you can bank on getting, you know, 200 yards a, a week from. But they have a good enough run game where it's not too reliant on a young rookie quarterback. As of right now, despite being at home, the Texans are two and a half point underdogs. I think that this is because Cleveland, again, with the experience, with the veteran skill, Joe Flacco playing some of the best football he has this season. I think that it that is why they are the favorites. And I, I do expect the Browns should be the favorites. I said even before Jacksonville blew their shot at a playoff spot, I thought, hey, no, I think the Browns will win their first game against the four seed. I think they could be a very big threat to Baltimore in the second round. So I did believe this. Uh, I do think that there's a good chance that Cleveland does win this game. I'm not doing my picks yet today. We're saving that for another episode, but we're just kind of previewing what we're looking for here. Moving on to the other game, the Chiefs-Dolphins won. This is the rematch from the Germany game. Remember, the Dolphins kind of got off to a hot start. Then there was that, I don't remember, I think it was a fumble. It was a turnover that was like lateraled into a touchdown for Kansas City. And from that point on, it felt like the complete momentum of the game shifted for Miami and they were going to lose. This is their chance to get a rematch, though. And for Miami, if you're a Dolphins fan, you have to be absolutely pissed after last night losing to Buffalo. You lost the division. Now you have pretty much three road playoff games if you want to go to the Super Bowl. Steelers are not going on a long run, most likely, which means... The Bills are going to win. I mean, it makes you the lowest seed. You're the sixth seed. If you beat Kansas City in 10-degree weather on the road, then you're probably going to play Baltimore on the road. And we know how that worked for you just a couple weeks ago. And let's say somehow you make it past Baltimore. Well, then you'd be going to Buffalo, most likely, or whoever is good enough to beat Buffalo, Cleveland or Houston. You'd have to be going to three road games, and you'd have to play three teams that I would take over you right now. So this is not where you want to be right now if you are a Dolphins fan. I personally am worried for them in the cold weather environment. We've seen how this Dolphins team works when they are starting slow, when they're starting cold. It feels like this offense gets a while to start running and humming at times. And if it doesn't start going, it never does. That is not what you want against a team that also struggles offensively, like the Chiefs. The weather, the home environment is setting it up where the Dolphins are going to have to play the Chiefs game. And we have seen that the Dolphins are not good at playing other people's games. 
The Chiefs only need 21 points to win this game, most likely, if they are going to be able to get the stops and the turnovers that they need on defense. I'll put it this way. Uh, Again, picks aren't happening today, but I like the Chiefs a lot, and they might be one of my easiest picks on this sheet. Moving on to our next game. If this was a scripted thing, I mean, the, the... not you know the emmy needs to go to is it the emmy or the oscar i don't know i don't pay attention to award shows i don't really like them that much but we'll just say the oscar goes to uh roger goodell for setting this up i mean the rams and the lions matthew stafford versus jared goff former quarterbacks of the other team you couldn't have been set up better now going into this one the rams were coming off the season where they were supposed to be defending their super bowl championship and injuries just really took them out from any chance whatsoever. Since the Rams Super Bowl run back in 2021, the Lions have gone on an amazing run, uh, rebuilding this team from a 3-13-1 and and team to a winning record last year and now a division champion this year. This will be an interesting one because there are flaws on each team that I think will be um, definitely looked at uh, by, the, by the other one. To start things off, Lions, what is their biggest weakness? I've been saying it for weeks now. This secondary blows. It is terrible. And whether that is the scheming, whether it's the personnel, it's not one person's fault because it is an entire team. But I have been ripping my hair out every time I see a third and 15, and I'm like, oh, thanks. We just need one more stop and we get get the ball back. And we give up a 30-yard play. It's driving me nuts. So the big splash plays that this defense gives up Eventually, I do think will cost the Lions in the playoffs. Will it cost them in round one? Will it cost them in the Super Bowl? I don't know. But I do think that if the Lions playoff run ends this year, this will most likely be the reason. Asking this team to get in a shootout with everybody in the postseason is going to be difficult. So they will need to be able to force turnovers, get stops when they need to. I will say that the pass rush seems to be coming at a good time. And I will say as well, The Lions seem to do better against statue quarterbacks. What do I mean by that? Well, Matthew Stafford isn't Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen by any means. When the Lions don't have to chase around a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, their defense is actually pretty good at getting to the quarterback. Aiden Hutchinson has been on absolute fire in recent weeks with five sacks in his last two games. Aleem McNeil is back finally for the team. And... Overall, I just think that this is our team that is ready to, I'm not going to do the bite the kneecap shtick. I'm kind of getting tired of that, but going in and tear someone's head off. We'll say it that way. The Rams, they are proven that the Matthew Stafford trade was theirs to win. Why is that? Well, they already won a Super Bowl, and if three years into the Lions rebuild, they can go in to Ford Field with all the momentum on Detroit's side and beat the Lions, it shows that, yeah, now the the Rams won the trade. So this means a lot more to more people than just Lions versus Rams. It is whose idea was right. Who won the trade? It has been three years since these two quarterbacks have been traded for each other. Now's the time to find out if it happens or not. Moving on to our next game, Steelers-Bills. The Steelers somehow made the playoffs. I think that they're still trying to figure that out. I don't know if they actually know. Can someone inform Mike Tomlin that the Steelers are indeed in the playoffs? And they will be going against the Buffalo Bills. Now, 
I don't really know what the situation is happening with like the Steelers. How they get to to ten wins is truly crazy at times. I know I'm one that is ripped on Mike Tomlin when it comes to how this team has been playing at times, or the fact that they choke away games or can't win playoff games. The main thing for me with Pittsburgh that that always drives me nuts is they're always good enough to be in the hunt for the playoffs, have a winning record, or make the playoffs. I don't think they're good enough to win this game here. And Buffalo being favored by double digits in a playoff game is the perfect example why. This is the biggest spread out of all of the games this upcoming week for the postseason. Buffalo favored by 10. And I, it's because I, you got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. He got this team to the playoffs with no quarterback, not really a run game, receivers that are divas, and injured defense. Like He, he somehow got them there. But you also wonder, who's putting this team together? Like, this team really had a chance to be a 12-win team, and they were this bad this year. They were not a good team. They've been scored on more than they've scored this year. This is not a good team. You are what your record says, yes. But their record also could have said 12-5 and five if they beat the, the Cardinals and the Patriots, two teams drafting in the top three, and those games were at home. So this is not a good team, but they're here. So can they do anything to knock off the Bills? I think the best chance for them to be able to is forcing Josh Allen to make mistakes and hopefully having your run game between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and maybe being able to get a splash play out of Deontay Johnson or George Pickens help you get enough of a lead where you can do game clock management, shorten the game, get stops, and maybe try and force turnovers. That is the best chance for the Steelers. As for the Bills, I think this is your game to lose as long as you don't throw interceptions and turn the ball over. I think that you are completely fine to win this one, and I think you should be the biggest favorite of the week. Another interesting matchup for me, this is going to be a fun one to watch. I'll I'll say it like that. Packers-Cowboys. Dallas wins the two seed. They also win a matchup against their arch rival. It feels like these games are always a classic between the Packers and the Cowboys. This time, it's a new coat of paint, though, for Green Bay. It's not Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings and all of those classic Packers from before. Now, it's Jordan Love, the new face of the Green Bay Packers. Dallas I think you are the favorite in this game. I think that the Packers are very young and inexperienced. But I said it a couple weeks ago when I was talking about this Packer team. Yes, the defense has struggled at times. And the defense can make any team truly beat the Packers. The offense, however, though, has been playing so well that I truly think that the Packers can beat. I'm not joking when I say this. Any team in the playoffs right now. I think the Packers are just as legit of a Super Bowl champion as anybody else. I think they're being overlooked a little bit because of the youth movement that they have currently. I'm not going to say I'm picking the Packers yet. I have yet to decide who I think will win this game. But it is something that I am definitely excited to watch. And then finally, on Monday, we got the Eagles and the Buccaneers. I will say this. Eagles, Bucks, these two teams are trending complete opposites right now. The Buccaneers have just clinched their third straight division championship in the NFC South. Very impressive, despite it being tank division this year, if we're really being honest. And then the Eagles at 11-6. and six, That record doesn't look too bad, right? Until you realize that the Eagles had 10 wins a couple months ago. 
but they were 10 and 1 and now they're 11 and 6. So I will also say this, final final little critique here, like throw a little jab out here, but I we do always like to rip the Cowboys for being frauds and blowing games and stuff like that. And I understand the Cowboys are bigger than everything. They're bigger than the Eagles despite what people might want to believe, but we roast Dak Prescott and the Cowboys so much for losing games where they actually played pretty well and like they had a chance to beat the Dolphins a couple weeks ago on the road and it they lost on a game losing field goal. They're not doing what the Eagles are doing right now. In a game where the Eagles could have won the second seed if the Cowboys lost, they didn't even show up against the Giants. Like this is not this is not a good team right now. Matt Patricia, I've told you Eagle fans what Matt Patricia can do to a defense and he has absolutely ruined it. The Eagles have the third highest scoring defense in all of football right now. Yes, there are teams that gave up 70 points this year that have given up fewer points than the Eagles. Yikes. I am very, very, very worried about this Eagles team going into the playoffs. Jalen Hurts is visibly injured. They have injuries all across the defense that already isn't playing very good. And this Tampa Bay team is the exact opposite of what you want to face if you are struggling like this going into a playoff run. Baker Mayfield has been very clean with the ball. He's been very solid. He's been a good game manager. They have Rashad White, an up-and-coming running back that's really establishing himself this season. And this is the kind of Buccaneer team that can lull you to death with short yardage plays and short yardage run, and then all of a sudden, Mike Evans is in your end zone for a 40-yard touchdown. I am honestly leaning Buccaneers right now. And if we're playing the narrative game here, like I, I don't like to get tinfoil hatty, but I will say this. If you're looking for an upset, this might be the one here. Uh, Buccaneers taking out the Eagles. The Eagles are favored despite being the lower-seeded team, but the Eagles are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. The Buccaneers are happy to be here. I think that the Eagles will lose this game to Tampa Bay. Now, that also means, you know, sometimes when we look in sports, we see the obvious, the obvious uh, upset. I play a lot of March Madness. I love the game of college basketball. For those who play that, we all know what that is. The obvious upset when everyone's going, this team is going to lose to this team. Yeah, I can see that that upset happening easily. And sometimes it happens, and then sometimes you go, oh, wait, no, the Eagles are back. So this one could be completely unpredictable because we have a Buccaneers team that just finished one game over 500, but they have looked solid at times this year. And then we have an Eagles team that's supposed to be defending their NFC championship from last year, and it looks like they're kind of just ready to book vacations and leave. So we could get any type of game out of this. As of right now, though, I'm leaning Bucks. So we have finished our playoff talk. Let's move over to coaching talk. Which coaching spots are currently open and who may take them? I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. When it comes to the coaching carousel that will take place this offseason, it might be one of the biggest ever. To start things off, I will read names of teams that have already fired head coaches, and then I want to say maybes to a couple more. First, Carolina. They are definitely looking for a new head coach because they have like fired five since David Tepper became the owner of the Panthers. The Chargers are definitely looking for a new head coach. Commanders fired Ron Rivera. The Falcons fired Arthur Smith. He is gone. Um, the Raiders fired 
Josh McDaniels midseason, so we don't know if they'll stick with their interim coach or not. And then let's talk about some of the teams that are on maybe watch. Patriots with Belichick. It's It seems heavily rumored that that relationship might be over. Another one maybe is Matt Eberflus of the Bears. We still don't know if he is going to stay around. As of this recording, he is. Um, another one that could be a maybe is um, Dennis Allen of the Saints and Doug Peterson of the Jaguars. These are all teams that met or did not meet their expectations of what they were supposed to be this year. Uh, Eberflus is in year three uh, of the Bears rebuild, I believe, or no, year two. This is he just con- he just concluded his second year with the Bears. So again, did he prove enough that this team is going the right direction with the capital that they are going to have to build something special next year? Um, I don't know. For the Jaguars, I, it's almost inexcusable that they blew a eight and three record and finished one and five to end the year. That that is honestly fireable for the talent that you have put around this Jacksonville team. As for New Orleans. You got to believe that Dennis Allen's seat is getting a little hot knowing that they had an easy chance to make a postseason run this year, uh, especially with how weak this division is. Tom Brady's not here anymore. Like you, you could have had a really good chance of winning the division. However, choking away games despite making a big splash free agent signing for Derek Carr and having a very weak schedule, that ended up costing them um, a postseason run <sighs> and maybe a job. So. Sorry, I get depressed seeing this stuff because honestly, I don't like knowing that coaches are getting fired uh, because it is people with jobs. And yes, we can all hold up signs and want people fired. Um, But for a lot of these guys, it is their only chance in the NFL to get a head coaching job. And so it does suck to know that some of these guys, one opportunity to be an NFL head coach is coming to closure. To start things off, I think the most interesting jobs that are available today, so I'm not saying Patriots, I'm not saying Raiders, because they still might keep their interim coach, not saying Jaguars, because it hasn't happened yet. Out of all of the coaching jobs that I think could be the best, I think it's going to be the Atlanta job right now. Why? Well, Atlanta pretty much has a playoff-ready team around it with the amount of talent. All they need is a quarterback. Now, that Sounds a little crazy because then you look at the Chargers and it's like, well, they have a quarterback. Why wouldn't you say the Chargers? I think Atlanta has a team already built around it, built for success in a postseason run. You have Bajon Robinson, Tyler Algier. Your offensive line is solid. You have young weapons at tight end and receiver. How about your defense? Jesse Bates is one of the best secondary pieces in all of football. They have a very solid roster. And if you put a quarterback around it, I'm saying a game manager, not Desmond Ritter. I'm, I'm saying like a top 16 quarterback. If Baker Mayfield was on the Falcons, they win the division instead of Tampa. Like that is, I am very confident in this Atlanta team with how much talent is around it. And if they go out with their top eight pick in the draft and take a quarterback, I think that this could be a really good core to build around for a four-year run as a head coach. You have flexibility, something that other teams do not have. Another job opportunity, like I just mentioned, is the Charger job. Yes, what I worry about, unlike the Atlanta team, is this team has a lot more um, veteran, uh, several more veteran players on it. And the problem with that is you don't know if they're staying, if they're going, if they're even the same player they once were. Yeah, Khalil Mack's on this team. Is he still Khalil Mack? 
Well, yeah, he is, but is he still the player that he once was? Uh, Justin Herbert is easily the best quarterback you could be taking when it comes to a head coaching job right now. Anyone that is saying it is Justin Herbert's fault in L.A., I hope you deserve to lose him because watch the the Chargers-Raiders game. I'm assigned people that hate Justin Herbert some homework. Watch the Chargers-Raiders game and tell me it's Justin Herbert's fault because he didn't play in that game due to an injury and tell me that they would have been better off without him. Um, Other jobs where head coaching candidates will be open, we have to definitely talk about the Commanders. The Commanders are interesting as well. They have the number two pick in the draft as of right now, and that is a pretty nice thing to build around. Uh, Once upon a time, I thought it was going to be Sam Howell they would build around, but Honestly, I don't think that that's the case anymore. His late game str- or his late season struggles and his ability to just cough up the ball anytime he was, you know, within three feet of a defender, I think really cost him his opportunity to be the franchise quarterback of the Commanders. With the Commanders, I think that they will be most open to whatever team or whatever coach they hire. Remember, it's new ownership, and this is going to be their first big choice. They didn't bring Ron Rivera in. The commanders, be, uh, the new ownership change of the commanders happened last year. They didn't bring Ron Rivera in. So whatever owner hires the coach for Washington, it's their guy, and they're going to be more lenient to whatever the coach wants. So if the coach says, yeah, we're sticking with Sam Howell, okay. No, I want Sam Howell shot out of a cannon. Give me Caleb Williams. Trade up for Caleb Williams. Okay. I think that this commander's team is going to be very aggressive in the offseason, trying to build the vision of whatever coach they can bring in here. One job that I would not take is the Carolina Panther job. Why? What do I need to say about it? Ownership is insane. Since David Tepper has become the owner of the Carolina Panthers, they have gone through five head coaches. He is currently paying the salary of two head coaches currently, Matt Rule and Frank Reich plus whatever coaching staff he brings on this year. That means he is paying for three coaching staffs to have the worst record in all of football right now. Not a great way. Like, I'm not a mathematician. I know I'm not a billionaire by any means, but I I don't think that that's very efficient math right there. I don't think that's a very efficient spending. But when it comes to this Carolina Panther team, the problem for me, and it's very similar to the Bronco team last year when they were struggling, but it's a little different. If you go to Carolina, you most likely have to commit to Bryce Young. Similar to when Sean Payton went to Denver, at least for the first year, they're going to have to commit to Russell Wilson. This means, compared to other jobs like Atlanta or Washington or L.A., where you either are getting a guaranteed franchise quarterback that that has been proven and made Pro Bowls, or you get to handpick whoever you want from this year's draft class, if you go to Carolina, you're stuck with Bryce Young. Now, I wouldn't necessarily 100% believe that, knowing that there's going to be a new GM brought in as well. If you didn't know, the coach and GM got canned this year. But for the amount of draft capital given up for Bryce Young, they can't afford to replace him this year. They haven't even given the kid a chance. So I do like Bryce Young. I think he's very skilled. I think he's very talented. I think there's a lot of potential there. But he hasn't been able to prove himself yet. But the ugly situation is now, if you're hired with the Carolina Panthers, you might not like Bryce Young. It's not even your pick anymore. If you're the new GM, you have to build around Bryce Young, which isn't your guy. And these people want their guys when they when they come in and run the front office. 
So now you're a GM having to build around a quarterback that you didn't pick, but then you don't even have a first round pick to fix the mistakes the previous regime did because they screwed you over now. Who wants to work for this place? If you have the choice between any of the NFL jobs and the Carolina Panther job, the Panther job is the worst one. You're stuck with a quarterback who hasn't been proved hasn't been able to prove anything due to the lack of talent around the team. So that's a quarterback issue, a team issue, a GM issue because the GM doesn't even want the quarterback that that he's brought in to try and build around. He didn't pick him. And then you got an owner that fires you before you can even finish week 3. This is a dumpster fire inside a dumpster fire with an incoming train wreck. I don't know who on earth would want to be coming and become the Carolina Panthers head coach. Someone will. Like I said earlier, if you get a, a chance at a head coaching job in the NFL, that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And if you don't believe me, look at the head coaches that actually get second opportunities in the NFL. It's very, very rare. So if you're Carolina, someone's going to take that job, but... Compared to the other ones, you don't get a guaranteed franchise quarterback, nor do you have the pick to replace your current quarterback situation. That is not a very good sign for me personally when it comes to this team moving forward. What job do you guys think is the most um, desired out of all of them right now? Could it be the Raiders? Could it be the Chargers? Could it be the Falcons? Could it be the Patriots if they move on from Belichick? I would love to know what you think. Now we're going to change over to college football. It's the final college football game of the year between Washington and Michigan for the national championship game. And I have some interesting thoughts that I kind of want to push into your mind. Uh, see if you agree with me on some of the things that I've been thinking when it comes to this national championship game. We'll be right back. All right, our final segment today. I'm going to try and keep it short to not make the episode too big. I know some people like the shorter episodes. For me, I always try and make the episode as long as I feel like it is necessary to give you the content that you should want to hear, if that made any sense. But we are on our final segment today, Washington, Michigan, for the national championship game. Now, I will say this. What's interesting about this is this is the first national championship in quite some time where the SEC is not in it. Think of it last year. Georgia won it. The year before that, Georgia won it. It is a very... SEC heavy thing when it comes to the college football playoff and the national championship. Now, the interesting thing about this is these two teams, this could be a Big Ten championship game next year. Washington and Michigan, despite, yes, playing for the Pac-12, remember next year, Washington and Oregon and UCLA and USC are all going to be Big Ten schools. What interests me about this is what we really saw in the college football playoff was Big Ten versus SEC, and the Big Ten won. Washington, who's going to be in the Big Ten next year, beat soon to be in the SEC Texas. And Michigan from the Big Ten beat SEC Alabama. And one of the interesting things about it is I believe in college football right now, we have two super conferences. The SEC and the Big Ten are the biggest moneymakers and especially with their incoming expansion, will be the deepest uh, team or conferences when it comes to talent. Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, USC, those are just the teams that are doing good right now. When we're talking about teams that have battled for just in the college football playoff, 
it, it is pretty deep right there. Oregon's gone to a national championship game. Michigan State's made it to a playoff game. Penn State is always right in the hunt. And then you got in the SEC, you got Bama, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida, Auburn. You got all that talent there. Georgia, of course. And my big question is, are we seeing a changing of the tide when it comes to a changing of the guard? I don't know. A, a new person on top. We'll say it that way. Do we have a new person on top when it comes to the king of college football? This is easily the Big Ten championship next year. Why wouldn't it be easy to say, yeah, this is uh, this is where the Big Ten becomes the better conference in college football? Or is this an outlier? You can look at it this way as well. You can say, well, this is also the first time it's been not an SEC team in like a decade and a half. So, you know, is it, is it really the Big Ten's era now or is it just a down year for the SEC? Again, we won't know. But I wanted to put that thought in your brain now and I'd love to know what people are thinking about this. Because Michigan, we don't know if they'll be around as much as they were next, like this next year. Jim Harbaugh could be gone. J.J. McCarthy could be gone. Blake Corum. Every key piece from this team could be gone next year, coach and all. And so was this a dynasty finally exploding onto the scene? This is a team that was runner-up, runner-up, runner-up the last couple of years, and finally they get to the national championship game? Is this going to be a destiny team that falls apart as soon as they win the title? Or is this going to be a dynasty, Harbaugh returns, McCarthy wants to stay another year, and they are the favorite to win it all next year? I don't know. Same thing for Washington. Is this a team of destiny? Yes, Kalen DeBoer has been a great head coach for Washington since he's become the head coach. However, we haven't seen what it looks like without Michael Penix Jr. yet. Now, yes, he has made Michael Penix Jr. an NFL prospect since he's been at Washington. But who's next in line? You kind of got to keep this thing rolling if you want to be on top. Georgia, Alabama, they've been able to win national championships with multiple quarterbacks. Back to back to back to back to back. And so when I look at this situation, both of these teams have hit a ceiling right now. But is this a ceiling where that is going to be the expectation moving forward? Or is it going to be both of these teams had all that was in them? And after this year, when McCarthy leaves and Harbaugh leaves and and Corum leaves and Michael Penix Jr. leave, these teams will move back down to maybe top 10, 12 teams in the nation. I don't know. I think we'll have to figure out what happens after this game. But it's something I wanted to put in people's heads. Has the Big Ten gotten better than the SEC, or is it merely a down year? And I don't want to put that question out there like those are the only two options. If you have another option, another opinion on it, I would love to know what you think about it. I have a comment section on Spotify. I also have a Facebook fan page, Max Sports. Definitely follow it if you don't. And so if that is going to be the case... It'll be really interesting to know what happens moving forward after this game, especially knowing that this is the last four-team playoff. This is the last time we'll have a Pac-12. There's going to be a huge landscape change in, in college football next year, and this is kind of the last time we will see the system that we've seen for about the last decade or so. So, again, there's a lot of questions up in the air, and I don't know if we'll ever be able to understand if this is the turning of the tide or if this is just an outlier year where the SEC was down. 
But all I will say is that if this is the last year of college football in its current structure, this isn't a bad way to end it, I'll say. So I'm excited. Remember, my pick tonight, Michigan will win. I think Blake Corum will be the MVP of it. I think he'll have some big run uh, or, you know, he'll get a couple goal line touchdowns or a big breakaway run to set up Michigan to win the national championship. I think Michigan wins it. I think Harbaugh gets it done. And um, I think he'll, what, immortalize himself with a national title. So we're going to wrap up the episode there. I appreciate everyone for listening. My name is Max. This has been Max Sports. Tomorrow, we're going to recap the national championship, of course. I don't have anything else on the slate as of right now, but we'll keep an eye on it. Until then, I will see you later. Adios.